at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. All right, welcome to the Author Brand Show. I'm your host, Doug Crow. We're going to get plenty of rational thoughts today, despite our little humorous opening here. Um, my guest today is probably one of the most influential, impactful people on the planet that you may not know yet. Uh, he's a counter, uh, founder of a co-founder of a company called Viomar. It's a global consulting firm. He's worked with leading global brands, hypergrowth startups all across industries and countries. He's been all over the world. Um, he's wide range of management, communication methodologies designed in order to enhance its customer internal capabilities is a mouthful. Um, the guy is brilliant in terms of history, psychology, behavioral economics, neurosciences, business and leadership. He's the author of the book, You're Not Moving Slow Enough, great title, um, which focuses on the link between our emotional intelligence and our ability to influence others without authority or authoritative stuff. It's, it's grateful stuff. It's just wonderful. Um, he talks about three critical errors called gratification traps. We'll talk about that. He holds a BA in government strategy and dip diploma diplomacy studies. I can't say that. Diplomacy studies. Uh, with an MA in counterterrorism and homeland security, both from the interdisciplinary school in Israel. I can't name the, the city, Ariel. Help me out with that in a second. He's, a, uh, he's also a proud but not too annoying vegan. Welcome to the show, Tim. A good friend and author, Ariel Halevi. How you doing? I, my my ego is over the moon. I need to oh I need to have you do this every week for me. You just I uh, just say the word. I'll come on. I will talk more about why why in a second. But how do I pronounce the this the, the city there? Herzliya. But they've it's, since changed the name to Reichman University. That's now the official name of that academic institution. Oh, that's much easier to say. Okay, cool. <laughs> yes. Um, listen, before we get going here on your amazing history, um, I want to give people a reason to pay attention to us for 20, 30 minutes. And we hinted on it in the green room beforehand. But so why should people pay attention to us for the next few minutes on this podcast? It's a very important thing. It probably relates to your title, but you go ahead and tell us why. Well, I was sharing with you um, some of my personal experiences over the last few months. I'm, I'm speaking to you now from Tel Aviv, Israel. Mm -hmm. And the our country is going through a very turbulent time. Right. Not that that's news in the past 75 years, but the, the, but generally speaking. 75 only? <laughs> only, only, and uh, ever since we, we've had we've had the most remarkable several years. We had four four elections in two years because yeah. no party won enough votes to set up a government because yeah. we're a coalition government. And then in the fifth election, they were able to do something very crazy. And then the sixth election, uh, uh, the opposing uh, government and Bibi Netanyahu get, came back to power, and just the country exploded with hundreds of thousands of people protesting and um i found myself in a, in a very uncomfortable situation where i had no i couldn't associate with any of the groups mm -hmm. i couldn't i would i everybody was being polarized it's it was simple here to give people perspective um americans see this a lot in their level right because we talked about this during the uh what was it uh we did our mock interview with trump and uh who was that with? Oh, with Hillary, right? We took, yeah. we did a Mac interview for your book about that. And the company was a little bit polarized and it got worse. Now it's getting worse after COVID, but nothing compares to what's happening where you are. So give, because you and I both, I've been tuned out from the news, right? I'm like, I don't watch yeah. that garbage. It's just propaganda. But having lived there now 
tell people exactly what's going on in, in more detail about this, you said, potential civil war, I guess, right? So, it, so Israel is a first world country, generally right. very liberal, very mm -hmm. liberal, um, and a very, very thriving democracy, except right. that there is a very complicated demographic situation in the country where 20% of the citizens are Arab, another 20% are ultra-Orthodox religious. Mm -hmm. Then you have a spectrum of different levels of faith. Then you have the secular party. And generally speaking, you have um, you have the parliament that you know passes laws. You have the government that executes policy. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Supreme Court. Okay. And there's, there's always been a delicate balance between these three governmental entities. And now this new government that got elected <laughs> came in and said, we're not happy with the balance of power between these three entities, we think that the Supreme Court needs to be put in check. Okay. Now, this government is, in my, you know, very subjective opinion, the absolute worst since the foundation of this country, absolute mm -hmm. worst government. But when I, and, and I've been disconnected from the news for many right. years, because mm -hmm. I, you and I, we've spoken about it, you know, if you, if you don't listen to the news, you're uninformed, but if you do, you're misinformed. I love that. Yeah. It's good. And, it's good. um, it's, it's, it just poisons your brain. Yep. But I, I said, I couldn't ignore it anymore because the country was burning around me. So I, I started listening to the news and I did, you, you remember you and I, we, in, in the book, we spoke about, you know, if you want to be persuasive, mm -hmm. start with understanding the other person's point of view, not right. with pushing your own. Mm -hmm. I was absolutely sure by default that my point of view would have been X because I knew I was against this government and everybody in my peer group and in my reference group were against this new legal reform. So mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to start by reading and watching the people who I don't agree with. Exactly right. So I start finding these interviews, these videos, and I, by the way, I try to steer away from any third party reporting. I look for original sources where it's an interview with a politician, unedited, one shot, just yep. so that I can get it straight from the source. And I start moving uncomfortably in my seat because I'm listening to these politicians that I'm supposed to not agree with yeah. making really good points. And I said, mm -hmm. okay, this is, this is uncomfortable for me. Love this. Uh, but I took notes and I wrote it down and I said, okay, now I'm, now I'm going to go here, the other side, my side, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. Know, and I'm listening and there's this guy who this, you know, they're giving a speech and then they're giving another one. I'm like, they're not making sense. The, 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 this doesn't, you know, because I used to be like, uh, uh, I used to compete competitively as yeah. a debater in college, right? Captain of my debate club and all that stuff. Quick aside, he's won a couple of national championships in debate, folks. He's no, just, not just making stuff. You're glossing right. over. I know oh, years ago. Uh, uh, and, and, um, and I'm sitting there I'm like, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. I mean, the entire, you know, political cohort that I am traditionally, demographically, politi politically opposed to yep. just, it just suggested a really good reform. Yeah. And all the people who are my peer group, who I support, who we share values in, are failing to make any real yeah. sense of what's happening. And uh, it was very difficult because we got to a point where obviously I got sucked into it badly mm -hmm. and I violated every single principle in the book that I had written with you. And I, I antagonized and I cornered them logically and I, you know, I outdebated them. And at some point, my sister and my mother are like, we we can we we don't want to talk about this anymore. No more politics in the chat. Yeah. And so, and then I my friends, some of them were like, we're very disappointed in you. How could a smart guy like you have an opinion? I'm like, but you haven't even you haven't even heard me out. It doesn't matter 
This is wrong. They're killing the country. This is going to become a dictatorship. Now, I'm looking at the politicians who I know their record, and they're criminals, and they're extremists, and they're racists. Um, and very, very oddly, the reform that they're putting forward is actually very good. And what do you do with that situation? Hmm. And then I decided I, 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 I actually had a few weeks of, of as close as I could get to really feeling depressed. There was a very heavy feeling. And then I said, I got to snap out of this. What can I do? I said, you know what? I'm going to translate my book to Hebrew for the first time after, what, seven years since we wrote it together? Yeah. Um, forever, this book is, you're the godfather of this book. It would not have happened without you. And, and I said, okay, I'm going to translate it to Hebrew. Yeah. So I start getting transcripts. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading the book and I'm like, you idiots, <gasps> you idiot. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. You wrote this book. How could you have done it? How could you have botched it up so badly? And it brought me back to my basics. And then I completely Dude. rebooted my entire attitude. And suddenly I started finding people who were, some were, some were burnt. Some were out yeah. like right. my sister, right. my mother, uh, some friends don't, let's not talk about it. But yeah. Other people, I started coming at it at a completely um, different approach that was less rational, more emotional intelligence based, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it, it's, but I was amazed. I was amazed at how badly I had steered away from the very model <laughs> that I had developed. And it, it just goes to show, you know, it's yeah. hard. It is extremely hard. I am. Um... Yeah, we all need to read our own books. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story if, if you want to hear. But when I was, um, I had a big, uh, you know, big rise in the real estate world, and uh, an equally large but much more accelerated fall back in 2008, where I lost, you know, 19 foreclosures, bankruptcy, divorce, the whole shoot and match. And I used to be Mr. Positive, you know, president of the class, all that stuff. Here I am, like broken, homeless, yeah. just pissed off. I mean, I go back to read Zig Ziglar, like, oh, what a jerk, you know. <laughs> Nothing, no self-help book could save Doug. It was this time. And I'm driving the road one day, you know, trying to go sell windows or something. I'm like, I got to make some money. And I put this CD in my car. And Ariel, no, no joke. Nine months of clinical depression gone in six seconds. Really? Evaporated. I'm like, who's this guy on the CD? As I go to pull it out. Oh, my gosh. It was me. I didn't recognize my own voice. I was no. a goal oh setting, goal setting seminar back in my real estate days. I'm like, I didn't recognize the voice until I pulled the CD out and looked at, oh shit, it's me. Isn't that and, amazing? And that's Isn't when I realized that you're right. We have to actually connect with our core when we're at peace and calm or, or translating or something to snap us out of it because our, what, cognitive confirmation bias, all the words you want to use there yeah. to frame and- us up are destroying our soul or ability to connect and impact and influence and stuff. It's listen, it's, 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 it's asymmetrical warfare between, between the mass media channels and the social media platforms and our brain. It's an asymmetrical, we can't win. It's, 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 it's pretty remarkable. And, and, um, and, and I immediately wrote, I went to the internet and I immediately uh, said, okay, uh, I'm going to start changing. I'm going to start intervening in certain online posts. And I started sharing stories about, yeah. you know, I was at the, I was flying back to Israel and I didn't notice, but I dropped my, my passport 
with everything. I didn't even know I dropped it. Oh my God. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting for my girlfriend to come out of the bathroom at the airport. Yeah. And I hear somebody say, Ariel, Ariel, and I'm Ariel Alevi. And I'm like, uh, that's funny. There's another guy here with my name. I didn't, <laughs> honestly, I was so, and, and then I hear him again. And, and um, he says, you lost, he gives me, you know, the, the, the travel bag with my passports and cash and everything. Yeah. And I wrote on Facebook and I said, you know, he had no idea what my political views are and I had no idea what his were and he helped me and I took the help and I, you know, a week before I was on a scooter, I crashed in the middle of the street, five people ran to help me. They didn't know what my politics were and I didn't know what theirs politics Like we cannot allow um, political views unless they are just the most, pot you know, if somebody comes up and says, let's exterminate a certain people, yeah, yeah no fight it with everything you have. Right. But the polarization that is happening yeah. um, is is very, very dangerous. Like it, it is an existential threat to the yeah. stability of our societies. Uh, yeah, our, or the planet, if you want to extrapolate that out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I can it, accept it, that. It's, it's bad. I um, Matter of fact, we need to talk about this maybe offline, but I, I started working a book, um, probably inspired by you a little bit, but inspired by a political conversation I had with a family member. And it was extreme, extreme. Like, yeah, well, yeah, this yeah, is really yeah. weird. I, I, I don't understand even what you're saying here. And because it was family, I couldn't motivate, influence, cajole. Yeah. Like, all right, let me set aside my beliefs, completely set them aside, just like you did, and uh, keep my values. But beliefs, maybe I'm wrong about everything, I think. And I started listening. Because this is really comes from your book. Like wow, that's it's really amazing how the connection and the relationship improved. Now almost instantaneously, almost like the hearing of your uh -huh. and it's it's not active listening, folks. It's it's way deeper than that. And so I I coined I actually was I had a title I'll share with you later, but it's um it's based on it's a simpler version of what you do probably. It's a curiosity, and if yes. you can like Adam Grant talks about it in one of his books, but I think you can set aside your values and really focus on being genuinely curious about the other person. Rapport happens from not what we have in common, but from curiosity, from being an interested in somebody, regardless, you know, like, hey, tell me about your X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. But I like, it's, it's, it's so needed. And the, the asymmetrical warfare thing, it's, I mean, we, you and I both tuned out of the news. I haven't watched a complete newscast since 9-11. Um, and, 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 and you're better off for it, believe me. And I, I think that- I am, but what, how can we help other people? I mean, the only problem is, the only way to get to people is mass media, social or otherwise, and the grassroots, we're gonna start thinking, sending letters to a, a million people. I, I don't think you know. I mean, I, I, how do we get to people, you and I? I think, yeah. you know, somebody said to me a sentence today that I loved. He said, um, anything beyond trying to help one person is romantic yeah. and, pol and political. <laughs> Like once you start oh, thinking about yeah. influencing more than one person, you're into romanticism and politics. And politics. Yeah, you know, the idea is first take care of yourself. You know, for right. me, I, I, I shifted my attention inward. I said, where did I lose the road? Yeah. And, and I started, this is about a month ago, I started, uh, I made a decision with myself that my next challenge for my own growth is going to be adopting non-functional radical listening. Meaning I'm going to listen, not so I can achieve something at the end of the call, not so I can give you a counter argument based on what you said, not so I can hack your persona and figure out what's the best way to persuade you. I'm going to listen with only one intention in mind, which is to understand who you are and where you're coming from 
And that's it. I don't want anything from you. I don't want to influence you. And, and, and what that did to me in, in the few conversations that I was able to stick to because mm-hmm. the habits are so yeah. green, right, was I suddenly found myself um, taking the conversation in directions I had never gone before or asking follow-up questions mm-hmm. that were curious. Bingo. But I, but I wasn't able to be curious as much before because I was too busy analyzing what I was hearing for yep. a purpose that was, was beside what the per- person was saying. So, so this this whole non-functional radical listening thing for me—that's at least my next mission, and I think it's going to take me a few years. It just goes against everything that I. No, been you don't have. We don't have a few years. Gabe, we gotta get this one done. That's a great title, by the way, because it's a mouthful, and you can get that domain. <laughs> Look at you! I'm marketing right. Non-functional. I wrote it down. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make you get that domain. Non-functional radical listening. You gotta actually think when you say that sentence, because it's. First of all, the word non-functional, right? That's going to be what? And then radical and listening. People go, radical. It's a great, it's a great title. Just imagine being, and I think you you put the format for, you know, you put the foundation for it. If you were immensely curious mm-hmm. about somebody else without having any agenda except Zero. eating I mean, up everything they have to give you so that you can get a better picture of who they are. Yeah. For no other reason except now you know. Yep. That's it. Where, what, how would that affect the conversation? Um, I, I don't know. For me, it's difficult. It's like meditation. I, I start doing it and I forget within two minutes I'm, I'm thinking again instead of breathing. We need, we need to create a, um, a hypnosis program for it because I, I started working on my book about this. I'm like, wow, this could work for relationships. For everything. Yeah, absolutely. You know? This is everything. This I, is I put down there the subtitle was like um, um, better sex, more money, and world peace. If everyone would just not necessarily in that order, not necessarily in that order. I don't know. I think it probably would work. But um, but you think about if you're actually genuinely curious about somebody and have that non-functional radical listening, so many things happen at once, right? They open up more, they connect more, and because of that, I'm sure the reciprocity, they might actually listen to you more later. My project with my family member. I already marked it down. It's like a five-year project. It's not going to happen quick. I can tell you right now, it's not going to go fast. But I believe within five years, I can actually eventually, well, what do you think about this? <laughs> As opposed to listening, I can plant a seed of like, maybe you can listen now to what you're saying, you know? So, Yeah. And, but again, but but the key uh-huh. is how do you go into a Even if you know that there might be some kind of byproduct, even if you know that there might be some kind of functionalization of the dynamic, yeah. Like even if it's in five years. Right. It's still bad. It, it, well, I, I think initially, at least, it pollutes It pollutes the mindset. Right. I think you, right. It, you can, and we're not, we're not machines. Alleged, well, we're not the kind of machines we tend to think of machines. Right. But um, if you can actually go into a conversation in the purest possible form and say, I'm an alien from space. I have zero skin in the game of humanity. And all I care about is understanding who is Doug Crow and what does he think about X. And I have no opinion. I don't know. I just I just want to know what he thinks. No, no opinion works, but agenda is going to be hard because we're all we're hardwired for fight or flight, for survival or you know growth or de- death. There's no way. To only, do as an, only as an initial response. If you then move yes. from your from your amygdala, so to speak, to your free prefrontal cortex, why yeah. do they say count to ten? Yeah. Why do they say repeat what the other person said? Why do they? Mm-hmm. 
because if you give yourself a minute, your frontal cortex can catch up with your, your with your reptilian brain. Right. And and then and then that fight flight dis, dis, dissipates very quickly. Okay. So so it's and I'm not, I listen. I I have yet to master this myself. I'm not even remotely close. So who's to say if what I'm talking about even makes sense? I, well. Based on your um your your methodology to to end terrorism, which we should talk about too, it, def <laughs> it definitely it definitely works because, like you just said, if it can work for one person, it can work for two. I agree, and and, and yeah, um, I think this is part of the universal approach. I think that if we can, you imagine if for one week, the only thing people did in any kind of interaction with other people was just listen, and it doesn't mean both sides can't speak. It just means that when one is speaking, the other one isn't responding. Yeah. There's Doug, tell me what you think about let's take a very, very non-volatile topic. Abortions. <laughs> I tried that one last month, didn't work. Tell me what you think about abortions or gun control. You can tell me, and I'll spend half an hour listening as if I have no opinion. No, I I just want to get your point of view. When we're yeah. done, I'll tell you my opinion, not as an answer to what you said. As if I went first. Mm -hmm. Is that is that realistic? I don't know. That's a big one. No, it's it's, it's, it's it should probably be taught at like the uh, you know at the five year old level, where because we get so much experience or opinion and crust on us, it's hard for us uh, to actually listen without having an agenda. I guess is or thing, just right? get or just get a corrective AI implant. <laughs> oh no, thank you. Not a chance. So I already hinted at your um at your paper on ending terrorism. So we got it. We got to answer that one. It was so brilliant what you did, and people need to know that there's there's an answer to it, and uh, maybe it will also apply to our mass shootings here in the United States. So tell us your methodology for that, and I think uh, maybe it'll catch on. Thank so, you. I, I, you're referencing uh, uh, one of the papers I wrote in my master's degree. Yep. Yep. The no no PR. Yes. So first, so basically. Um, my, my paper was quarantine, the title was Quarantining the Psychological Impact of Terrorism. Mm -hmm. And I introduced this concept, which I call the paradox of rationality. And, and if, if you ask people from the West in developed countries, from moderate societies, they'll tell you we're rational and the terrorists are non-rational. What rational person would blow themselves up or believe in an afterlife or 72 virgins or whatever? Right. And I said, you know, it, it doesn't even matter which side is rational and which isn't. If you can equalize the equation, terrorism ends. Let me, so I'll explain. And my, I began by saying, I began by trying to prove that the terrorists and anybody using terrorism is actually rational. Mm -hmm. And I gave a thought experiment that said, if a terrorist gets two options, take, take a terrorist organization like the Ham, you know, Hamas yeah. or a million tigers or whatever, and you say to them, We'll give you two options. You choose whichever you want. Option number one, a bomb explodes in the center of Tel Aviv. 70 people die, 200 injured, zero media coverage. We're your enemy. You want to kill as many as you can, right? Option number two, bomb goes off in Tel Aviv. Two people die, 15 injured, massive media coverage worldwide. 24-hour cycle, repeats, CNN, BBC, Al Jazeera, you name it. Yeah. And I said to people, what do you think they would choose? Now, if they were truly non-rational, the answer would be flip a coin. But, or, you know, go for the thing that gives you the most emotional satisfaction. But 
there wasn't one person who said to me, yeah, they're going to choose the latter. They're going to choose less casualties, more media coverage. And I said, okay, so we know that they're rational in that terrorism is simply a means to achieving an outcome. And that outcome isn't physical death. In fact, modern day terrorism is the form of warfare that generates the lowest amount of casualties, but the greatest amount of emotional and psychological damage. Wow. Well, hold on, hold on. I got that one sinking. That's so powerful. Because it's not, it's not the, it's the emotional damage of the, yeah, okay. That's wow. the very word, terror, fear. Yeah, right, right. To be debilitated by fear, to lose your sense. And I said, so why are we more afraid of a terrorism attack than we are even of getting into a car mm -hmm. when the casualty levels and the chance of being hit are minuscule? Even yep. when you have a lot, it's minuscule compared to any other type of war. Mm -hmm. I said, actually, we're not rational. We're letting it get to us. And so instead of, instead of spending, I don't know how many billions of dollars trying oh. to simply prevent the attack, yeah. what if we redirected some of our efforts, not all of them, to quarantining the psychological impact of the, of the, of the event, yep. which is actually not the event itself, but the amplifying impact of the media that reports the event to you live in loops Mm -hmm. with images of the event with bodies in the streets. And I wrote a paper that said um, media should not be allowed to do any kind of yep. live video covering of an attack. They can report from the field. They can use audio. And then I, and then I started exploring, well, what the domino effect of this would be because mm -hmm. Israel cannot prohibit international media like CNN from reporting. So I said, okay, so what would happen if a foreign media agent reported the same event and you consumed it online? Government can't control that kind of media. Yeah. And I said, so I, I, I wrote, a, I designed a few more experiments. I said, okay, first of all, semantics and language. If, if I'm listening to this from a foreign reporter in a foreign language, they're using words like there, it happened there yeah. versus the local media that says it happened here. And so the psychological impact of an event that happened there, the argument was Ooh. would be lower than an event that happened here. Huh? If I'm watching international media online, because I can't see it in the main, so I'm probably not watching it from my TV, 15-inch sure. TV in the center of my living room. Hmm. I'm probably watching it on YouTube or on a website from my computer or my phone. So I started looking at psychological impact of the medium through which the news is being promoted. Yeah. Size of screen, language barrier, mm -hmm. there versus here. When are you listening to the news? So if you listen to the local news, it's an event. It's, it's 8 p.m. Everybody sits in the living room and they're watching this thing happen in their living room because the brain doesn't realize no, that it's a, that's right. But if I'm watching it on my phone, I'm probably doing it at work. From the, I'm, I'm distracted. I'm not fully attentive. Sure. I'm not getting a full screen, 50 inch. Mm -hmm. 80 inch. Mm -hmm. So that's so, so the idea was either we cause ourselves to become more rational, and then if, if both equations are equal, if we're rational and they're rational, terrorism is over. If we remain irrational, but we can cause them to be irrational, terrorism is over. Wow. But if one side, if they're rational and we're irrational, we're screwed. Huh. And that was the paradox of rationality. That, that was basically the basis of the paper. And then, you know, there were whole arguments about, well, what about freedom of the press? And I said, well, freedom of the press, I'm not preventing the information from being reported. In fact, there was great media even before television existed. And there was tele media before internet existed. So they can report it. They, they can even show pictures in the newspapers. They cannot report live. They can't give me the full impact of video. 
and, it, and only pertaining to local news channels. That was the proposed policy, um, but it was just a paper. You know, it didn't never got picked up. Never got anywhere. You should. Did you have a chance to have any any terrorists vote on that first part? Did you? The, the two versus fifty. Not that you know any. I'm just saying. You know, maybe some. I don't. Need, I don't want them to know my name. <laughs> I don't want them to know. I, no, no, no. Wow. Yeah. I, still, I still think that there's something about that that has uh, has power to it in terms of you don't put a spotlight on things that you want to go away. You know, it works for taxes and it works for this. Yeah, you, know? you can report it. You just don't have to let it. You know, you remember the first you remember when there was the whole thing of ISIS decapitating the American reporter? Yeah, Nick Berg. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. You know what the media, what the PR dollar value was? of the amount of coverage that event received that's that not, event that event being broadcast the way that it was basically the the, the, the the people who decapitated him could not have wished for greater support and collaboration from the audience they were trying to influence which is what they call in terrorism the theater of war mm -hmm. right so so when you do, when a terrorist attacks they have three audiences they're focusing on the first audience is their home base. They need to demonstrate yeah. that they're fighting for their people. Right. The second audience is the enemy. And the mm -hmm. third audience is third party public opinion. Yeah, right. And what the mass media did was basically build, build, a, build a partnership, not intentionally. I don't think anybody had bad intentions, except, you know, if it bleeds, it leads and it gets rating. Well, but what they did was they basically, they if, if, if terrorism was the car, media was the fuel. Yeah, yeah. And we did it to ourselves. Now that I'm throwing, now I'm depressed like you were a while ago. No, no, don't be. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because what ends up happening, and this definitely happened in Israel, was um, humans are incredibly adaptive, and we just we adapted. Yeah. And so, so even without media intervention, we ultimately became more rational. That and the the technology gap in our case, between us and those who would harm us, became so asymmetrical that our superior ability to collect intelligence and to yeah. prevent events became almost, which is why today we're dealing with rockets. Right, right. <clears throat> but then there's an anti-rocket system. So, you know, I don't know, but this was a long time ago. I'm talking to you about this paper I wrote back in 2008. Yeah, so I, I know, I, but I still love the story. And I, I still, I, it's, it's the problem is the, um you know, the, the neuroscience, the Olympic brain is, it runs a show and, uh, you know, we slow down for the car wreck because we might get in one when, uh, so our brain is, they try to think in the eighties, they try like a good news, news station and nobody watched it. I know it. it doesn't work. It does nobody not watch it. But I'll tell you, if it were up to me, one of the things, I think you and I had spoken about this. I am, mm -hmm. I am now exploring with some partners and friends and, and some really smart people, um, the, the birth, the birthing of a new industry. Mm which would be the anti-bias industry. Think about an industry Sign that is dedicated, it's dedicated to funding projects that operate like a firewall to the human brain. Mm -hmm. So that if I'm viewing anything on my screen or it recognizes the singles, the signals, categorizes them based on which biases they trigger and then interjects. Yeah, okay, I, I want to hear your thoughts. Go through. Jeff. Well, I think I remember seeing your software about the analyzing speeches before. We had you could analyze. Uh, no, that's completely. That's a whole different. That's a whole. That's, but 
you know, who's making the shield and what's it, you know, I go back to like, who's, who's running the, the, the control. No, I'll give you, no, no, that's great. I love that you said that. Yeah. Um, the shield takes instructions from the user. So I'll give okay. you, I'll give you, I'll give you two examples. Okay. Imagine you had a dial on your Facebook page. Yeah. And that I'm, dial. I was dialed to off, but okay. No, not off, not off. It's a polarity dial. Yeah. So I have 4,000 friends I'm connected to on Facebook. Mm. I only see a small fraction of them based on right. the feed right. because the Facebook algorithm chooses for me. Right. Okay. Yeah. What Facebook, what this polarity dial would do, it would run in the back. It would scan all my friends and all their feeds and it would compare it with the feeds that Facebook is showing me. And it would compare it with the feeds that Facebook is showing my friends. And based on that, it would say, you're in an echo chamber. The yeah. feeds you're seeing are only those of people who agree with you. You're at 78% polarity. Do you want to go down to 65%? Move the dial. Yeah. And then the AI takes control of my mouse and starts, while I'm not working on the computer, clicking on other, like re-educating wow. Facebook's algorithm to, to, show, to pretend that my, to change my behavioral yeah. habits yeah. to calibrate the algorithm. Facebook doesn't, Facebook's not against me. Facebook just wants my attention. It wants money. It's it's my attention. Yeah, right. So imagine if I said I want to be less polarized. So yeah. what it would do is it would it would analyze feeds that I'm not seeing and it would click on them and it would share them and it would comment automatic comments for it. And gradually my feed would become more diverse and my polarity dial would move to 65 now to, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. That's an example of an innovation that would be one out of all kinds of innovations. Oh, my gosh. Through this new industry that says people are not strong enough to fight the impact of technology we need technology to fight technology for us and first you had cars then you had seat belts that's right that's right <laughs> first we had social media now we have to have seat belts for social media and 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 i <laughs> it's a project that i'm working on with several people to see we want to put together a fund Mm-hmm. And then we begin with a competition of ideas. Winner gets a few tens of thousands of dollars. And then sure. the fund invests in the winning ideas. Mm-hmm. So that's something we're toying with. Apropos what we were saying before about, again, how is the media, how is the media influencing our mindset, for example? Right. Okay. You, you could, I'll let you do this project on one condition. Shoot. You're not allowed to have any big tech investment money. Because they would use that weapon. They would weaponize that for evil versus for good. So it's got to be. Like limit, limit it like a uh, like a political contribution. No, no contribution above a certain amount. Make sure that it's only in the hands of the people, not the uh, big big players. Because yeah, it's I, I'm not sure. I think that I, I'm not entirely sure. I think they're that evil. I think you know what? I think they're bureaucratic, and I think they're single minded. You put a group of people together and you give them a task, make more money, and they try to optimize the product. That's true. Yeah. It's unintended consequences what we're seeing here. Just like the right. industrial revolution, nobody intended for it to contribute so greatly to pollution, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So, so it's I, I I think actually we we would want to have the big players involved, but I think they wouldn't want to. I think they would see us as a threat to their business. Yeah. Um, now, which is why now, they, this, if yeah. you could show them that the algorithm would increase view time. They could still sell ads. It would still probably benefit them as long as they didn't get involved with the dial, right? I'm so not they- sure it would, but I'm not sure it would. You know, I read in a book recently, they said when fast food came, it was about giving people tasty food faster and cheaper. Right. Nobody intended that it would lead to a, to a you know, health crisis. Exactly. Right. They're now talking about the equivalent of not fast food, fast data. Yeah. Okay. 
So, and, and I think if we slow down fast data, we will impact the fast food industry. So the question, I, I'm not sure it would increase, I'm not sure it would increase viewing time, yeah. which is why I think there might, we might have to have regulation involved as well. It would have mm -hmm. to be. Yeah, like you're right. Because, because it's controversy that he has that limbic brain to go and want to click and see more because it gets you, gets you going. Can you think of any sound more intriguing than a knock on the door? Intriguing? If somebody knocked on your door right now, yeah, your attention would be stolen immediately. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That's the like, the share, the ping oh, notification. Yeah. And dopamine. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. All right. Well, keep me posting. That's not, that's a good that's a good concept. We just gotta make sure it uh, it tracks well. I, I like the idea. Um, as a matter of fact, part of the, the part of the project I was working on with my one buddy was um. It's, you know, it's a basically LinkedIn for startups type of concept. And I said, you know, instead of having the algorithm um, be set by the advertisers, what is set by the user? It's kind of similar yeah. to what you said there, right? So they could exactly. set it so exactly. what they want to see, right? Empower the user, create an intervention. Let's say I'm watching, I'm going to go on CNN or Fox or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read, I'm going to read an article. Yeah. Before the article loads on my page, the AI Ooh. takes all adjectives, lists them. Yes. Yes, takes the adjectives out. And then it says to me, here's a list of adjectives and here are synonyms. Pick the ones you want. It Every plugs them into the article and only then you see the article. And then it tells you, by the way, based on your choices, you're biased to this area. You're based, you're biased to this area and so on. Well, you, you, must have, you must have read my mind. I did an analysis on a, a CNN and Fox article about a year ago and I removed adjectives for it and got like 99% same article. Yes. Yeah, I left the adjectives in. It was all like yeah, polarizing, like, okay, some more ads, but same news, same same topic, same words, except the adjectives. Listen, hopefully, hopefully, we can get all this done before AI yeah, I, takes over anyway. <laughs> before the matrix. Yeah. You know, I talked to the um the chief data scientist at Intel a few years ago, talking about doing a book, of course, and uh, he's big into AI, right? Before it got yeah. popular this year. And I said, hey, listen, Marvin, uh, uh, Melvin, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen these movies, you know, I've seen Terminator, Matrix, all these things. I'm a little bit scared of all this stuff. And he said, oh, now this, you know, think about it. And he started explaining to me, um, there were like 200,000 IT jobs that were be, they're unfulfilled with like 80 of just job descriptions they haven't finished yet. Like, how do you, how do you teach a human being to replicate you know, the muscles of your, of your hand, the thousands of muscles there in a, in a robot. I mean, you need someone to understand, you know, biology and, and, uh, robotics. But have you seen, have you seen some of the latest robotic advancements? Yeah. It's like jumping and, and picking up stuff. Jumping, push them, they have balance. They can't yeah. it, listen. I, I think whatever they think is coming, there's, there's an amazing book I recommend. If anybody likes this idea of future yeah. of AI and all that, Read the book Life 3.0 uh, by Max Tegmark. And he okay. established the Future of Life Foundation years ago. Mm -hmm. And he's backed by Elon Musk and all that stuff. And um, it gives 12 different scenarios of the rise of AI. And okay. I think he, he says pretty clearly it's not going to be Terminator. And they're not going to be evil and they're not going to hate us. I Just like you don't hate you don't hate ants when you brush away their home to do a picnic. You don't. You don't hate them. I could do a line from the movie Contact right now if you want to hear it. You know, what would I what would I care about a a, a bug? Is a, a good point. And what do you do with a bug? You squash them sometimes. <laughs> so.
So, so, and not to yeah. mention, even way before that happens, listen, let's right. say you give a machine a task. What machines do is they break down the, they break down the task to subtasks tasks, and then they analyze the resources they need to execute the task. Yeah. Imagine humanity gives the machine a task that requires so much energy that when the machine starts analyzing where it can get the energy, it realizes that the obstacle that's eating up all its energy are humans. And then in trying to live up to the mission we gave them, they like it's not it's nothing like the Terminator and all that stuff. All right. It's completely from a whole different, equally terrifying direction. <laughs> different. It's a different kind of terror, folks. Don't worry about it. Your grandkids are. Listen, listen, Elon Musk recently said it's either going to be really bad or really good. Okay, well, I'm going to go with the Star Trek scenario of being really good and milk and honey, and everybody's going to be happy and have to work anymore. And <laughs> machines, machines do all of our things for us, and we just live happily ever after. That's my positive outlook on it. I'm. Um, by the way, I am optimistic. Yeah, I know. I, I am too. I just, what you know, prepare for the worst, expect the best, type of thing. You know, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, I'm going to still get my farm with my. Grow my own vegetables just in case, you know, so it's okay. I'll come visit. All right, you yeah. should. Um, so you're you're in Israel full time now. You're gonna say that save the nation with uh, your books. Say what? You're gonna save the nation with your books. I'll try to play my very, very small and humble part. Um, yeah, I'm in Israel. I travel a ton too much. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, my focus over the next year is going to be I'm gonna shift a lot of focus towards okay trying to play so a role in, in when the when will you're not, I'm pointing up here behind me, folks. You're not moving slow enough. My one of my top 10 favorite books. When will that be done in Hebrew so you can get it to the uh, the government there and calm, calm things down? Should be done in, in less than four weeks. It'll be okay. out. And then we'll be just giving it out, whoever wants it. You can give it out, but I want you to do a FedEx package to the powers that be there and uh, with a box of cookies or something. Make sure they read it. You know what? That's, I didn't even think of doing that. I don't think that's a half bad idea. Go right to the top, man. Give it to them. That's a good idea. And one more thing. Find out who their puppet masters are, who they respect or who influences the influencers and get Give them, them to You know, you you should be in uh, in creative <laughs> publishing and and you know, what do you know? Well, I I'm I'm all about world peace, man. It's like our mission statement. I'll I'll tell you a quick story. I was uh my coach was um listening to some of my sales calls, right? So this happened right now had pandemic time. He's listening calls. Hey, Doug, I heard two of your calls. I'm going to tell you what I found out from your process here. Your first guy, you were excited, interested. You guys got along great. But the second call I heard, you were kind of cold, kind of like bored with the guy. What's up with that? I said, oh, what's your name? Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah. His book idea is all about him, all about him, his ego, what he wants for himself. I, I doesn't care. The other guy wants to change the world and make a difference and really excited me. So my coach said, well, why'd you talk to the second guy? Mm. I'm at publishing. You know, people call me. I have a conversation. He goes, stop talking to them. And I said, well, that's like the third of my calls. He said, stop talking to them. You're not going to publish them anyway. Why waste your time in theirs? I'm like, all right. Sales volume went down 30%. Revenue went up 300%. I can try to explain that to you in, in, in uh, uh, decision-making theory that we use. We call it strategic, ta strategic tactical distraction. Mm -hmm. Any opportunity you have. If it's a strategic opportunity, the ROI will be times three or to the power of three. If it's tactical, the ROI will be plus three. And if it's a distraction, it'll be minus three. <laughs> and those 30% of your calls must have been a minus three. Uh, for sure.
because I, I wouldn't have done the book anyway. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Here's how cool I am. I'm a, I'm a TV star. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, we can do it. That's why I want your book in the hands of the, of the uh, important people, important, powerful, influential, whatever, because like you said, we can have one person just dial it down a bit there and save some lives. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm generally optimistic, but, you know, uh, government reconvenes and I think in a week or two. Yeah. Well, they can read English. Give them the English version while you're waiting for the Hebrew version. No, unfortunately, some of the ministers can't read the English. Oh, I thought that's that, you know, bad. Read... I'm telling you, we we're in, like we have two ministers. I, I don't even want to talk about it. That's OK. I have to let go. All right. Well, good luck. I hope that comes right. <laughs> Anyway, the book is called You're Not Moving Slow Enough by Ariel Halevi, bestseller, one of my favorite books of all time, because um, it's just that powerful and important for you to influence and impact people. And the best way to do that is move a little slower. I worked on that book for years. Yeah. And then I met you and it was out within, I don't like, so Nine months. You're the, like I said, you're the godfather of that book. Okay, let me tell you about it. What can I tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I expect you to get non-functional radical listening as a URL tonight. I want you to get that domain and think about that for your book title. Um, and if you want to run a poll, let me know. We can run a poll and, and get it out there. But I, I, I love the concept of it because it's it definitely makes you think, which if you get someone to pause for one second and think, you're ahead of the, all the garbage out there. So 100%. Yeah, very good. Um, Ariel, wonderful, wonderful talk to you again. We got to do this again. I think we should definitely have some other business things to talk about, but for right now, I want to thank you for your time today and, uh, leave people with a, uh, we'll put your link to your book down below in the chat here, folks. So in the show notes, you get the show notes for today's show as well as a link to his book and any parting words of wisdom, sir. <sighs> wow. You're putting me on parting words of wisdom. Yeah. It could be a sentence or a paragraph up to you. Um, empathy. Empathy in today's day and age, the answer to almost everything that's wrong in our life is empathy. If you can find it within yourself to develop an empathetic um, predisposition towards people around you, that will, I think that will cure the world. Love as it. big as that sounds, I actually think that's true. One person at a time, it could work. Let's give it a shot. Got nothing else to do. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank you so much. I always love speaking with you. My pleasure. Same here. Okay. Thank you very much. That's Eric Halevi. You're not moving slow enough. Uh, super, super smart guy with a great book and a new one coming out. Check it out. Check out the show notes below. Download his book. Buy it. It's definitely worth your while. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.